Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hello, everybody. I'm back. Good morning. Yeah, I, uh, you saw me hobbling out. Those of you who are not here last week, um, yeah, I did. I strained my left knee ligament just jogging, and I guess because at my age, my jogging days are over, and so <laughs> every time I go to the doctor, they go, it's age, you got to watch. I go, then give me back my copay, because, you know, I could have told myself that. But, um, but it's getting better and better. Um, I didn't walk out. I didn't want to walk out with the crutch, but, uh, because I just didn't, because I'm arrogant, okay? <laughs> but a uh, couple weeks, I'll be, should be fine. Um, today, um, I want to talk about, obviously, on Father's Day, and uh, uh, hopefully bless all you Father's Day, and talk about some things that are really, uh, really uh, I think, are pertinent in today's society about fathers, and that I've been observing over decades of my life now, uh, watching. I'm, I'm blessed to be a dad. I'm blessed to be a grandfather of four with the fifth one on the way, and hopefully about five more after that at some point in my life. And uh, <laughs> And all that means is I'll be out of money, okay? And that's all I mean. How many grandfathers say amen to that one, right? Amen. Let me ask this. You, you who are grandfathers and you, there's a grandma next to you, um, when you go to a store, if you go to a store, do you, when you lose your wife, the grandma wife, do you know which department to find her in? I know where to find my wife in all the little kid stuff department. That's all I, I go. I know where she's at. I'll just go right in. There she is. She's hiding in there spending money. And so... Uh, <laughs> And so she does that. So today I want to talk about the need for dads. And we do need dads. Uh, uh, my father, um, he's been gone 32 years, and I have a lot of great memories of him. And you know my story with my dad and everything. And uh, But I do have a lot of great memories. I can remember <laughs> when I was about eight or nine years old, and my dad would be on his knees with the glove, and he'd be letting me pitch to him in the driveway, hardball, and um, can you imagine how erratic an eight or nine year old pitcher is pitching to, to your dad and he would do that for me and I can remember that I can remember um, when I was about four or five years old you know my, my dad discipled me the correct way in baseball as an angel fan and um, <clears throat> my wife's a Dodger fan something went wrong in that family and so um but, you know, he would take us to the games when I was four and five years old when the Angels, some of you remember, they used to play at Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium. And I used to go there as a kid. So he, he would take us, and I remember, I remember things like that with my father. I, I remember being a 23-year-old uh, young man, single young man, and um, I, I bought my first house as a young 23-year-old, and I saved up every penny, every penny I thought that was in the entire world for the down payment of $4,000, you know, to buy that $52,000 home. How many remember days like that? Remember that? You know, but it was every penny I had. And so my, I had no more money <laughs> for anything. And my dad said, well, I'll buy the flooring in your house for you. And so, and back then, you knew you were going to say, that's it, $800. It was only a thousand square foot home. But for, and remember, 1979, carpeting and linoleum, okay? Remember that? Remember to say linoleum, okay? So we don't forget things like that. But paid for all that for me, and I was really appreciative. But one, one of the funniest things, and my dad was a real funny guy. A lot of funny stories I could tell you, but I'll tell you one. Um, I played basketball all my life. Um, 
I played for Corn High School, Panthers, and after high school, I played in men's leagues. I continued to play basketball. I was a point guard. And uh, not a good shooter at all. I was average, but I, was, I could dribble like nobody's business and pass. And I love to play defense. And uh, one day we're playing in a men's league. If you ever played men's league basketball after high school on a Monday, Tuesday night, you know there's, if it's a capacity crowd, there's five people in the stands, okay? <laughs> That's about it. And so my dad would come to these games, and one night he's there, and my dad would be, you know, he drinks a little, so he'd be a little vocal. And um, he thought the refs were calling every bad call against my team. And he was riding the refs and riding the refs and telling them and booing them and loud. And there's no one in the stands but him. <laughs> and so, and finally the ref had it up to here, you know, because the ref's only going to take so much. And, and finally uh, the ref turns to my dad and he says, you're out of here. And my, as soon as the ref said that, my dad was already walking out and he said this, I was already leaving, Okay. <laughs> And he walked out. And I thought that was one of the funniest, greatest things my dad has ever done that I've ever seen in my entire life. And so I have all these funny dad stories in my life. And, um, and I, you know, I appreciate the had dad there. And let me say to all of you who are dads, stepdads, and you stepped in to be that father figure to someone, you know, just thank you for all that. Thank you for being there. Thank you for staying there. Do you know right now, scientists tell us that every day, every day, um, 24 species of animals go extinct in the world. 24 species, not family, but species of animals go extinct. Now, that's, that's worrisome, but let me tell you what's more worrisome. The extinction of the father figure in the American family home. That's more worrisome. Amen to that one right there? That more and more homes are not having a father uh, in the family there. Let me tell you what really concerns me is, and I've watched this for decades. This is not some new phenomenon now, though it is intensified. Um, the devaluing and the undervaluing of the father figure in the home. Boy, you watch core values of organizations and you see little statements that devalues um, the father figure in the home. And I'm watching this. Really, you ask my wife. Sometimes I'll, I'll want to yell at the, whatever it is on TV that uh, it's a TV show. If they make the father look inept or this and that, unneeded, it really, really bothers me. It bothers me so much. But they really undermine the, the role of the father in the family. Do you know that 72% of Americans believe that um, all of our social problems can be attributed to one thing, and that is uh, no father in the home? Did you know that? Did you know that they're correct on that? That is absolutely true. And, uh, uh, um, and if you think about this, because I think about these things all the time, the more and more you listen to many, many politicians, they'll name all the symptoms in America and how they're going to fix it. They can't fix anything, by the way. They name all the symptoms, but they will never tell you the root cause. They'll never get to the root cause, and they just want to throw money at symptoms, and they'll never talk about the, the, the lack of a father in a home that's caused all these problems and all these social ills in, in our nation. You know that 17 million children don't have a father in the home? Did you know that? 17 million. Did you know that 20% white, 31% Latino, and 57% black children, babies, are born into families without a father in the home? That's epidemic. Any amens on that one right there? And that's according to National Public Radio. And because of these things, there are all kinds of problems that, that are born out of it in these kids who grow up to be adults and cause social problems. And uh, of these things, I'll just name a few, there's behavioral issues. 
There's a higher tendency for girls to become pregnant when they are teenagers. 47% of homes led by a single mother are homes in poverty. And uh, the way our system is worked out now, they keep, they make sure, they, they make it beneficial to not get married when you're pregnant. Did you guys know that? And so they contribute more and more to this fatherless home situation. And yet we sit here, we know the problems, we see it. And by the way, I used to be a correctional officer in a land far away in a time long ago. But if you look at the background of many inmates, you find out they didn't have a father at home or they had a father that was all kinds of addictions and everything else. So the father figure is a tremendous, tremendous role in the family. If it wasn't, why would Jesus call God Father? Any amens on that? He's the one who introduced the statement, Father. And so that becomes a very, very important role in families. And so today I want to talk to fathers. I want to talk to dads. I'm a fellow dad. I'm a fellow grandfather. And I want to give you great reasons why we need dads and why we need dads at homes and why you are so important and the things that you teach your children. And, let's, and, and let me say it this way. You may say, well, he doesn't teach anything. Our children are learning by observing. Amen? So many times, the father figure, we're not as vocal or we can't dialogue like you as a wife, but we, the way we carry ourselves, what we do, that is very much needed in a family because our children are learning by observing. Say that, learning by observing. Very important. And, and you say, well, how about, the, how about the mother? Hey, you had your turn last month, okay? Calm down. <laughs> it's Father's Day today, all right? So can you cut me some slack for one day? You know, next year, you wait till May again, you get your day again, all right? You know, and by the way, let your dad, let dads have a nap this afternoon. Amen to that one, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. I heard a loud amen in the front row. Give me the $20 now. Okay, no, I'm joking. So I'm going to give you four things out of my favorite story. What's my favorite story in the Bible? Prodigal, prodigal son. Love the prodigal son. And I'm going to give you four things about the dad and the story relating to the son, relating to the child. And uh, I could give you a lot more because it's my story, but I'll give you four that hopefully will show you the need for fathers at home. So here we go. Number one, your notes, if you're taking notes, the first thing of what fathers teach us is self-control. This is the need. Dads teach self-control. Now, let me read the story. I'm going to give you background as we go because it's a really fun story. Uh, uh, verses, chapter 15 of Luke, verse 11, 12, and 13 uh, is what I'm going to read first. Now, watch. Here we go. And he said, this is, by the way, Jesus is telling this story. And it's actually the third of three stories in chapter 15. There's a lost coin, a lost son, and there's going to be a, a lost coin, a lost sheep, and now the lost son. And whenever Jesus tells the same story three times, how many of you know you better sit up and listen to what he's saying, right? Because it becomes a very important principle here. Verse 11, and he, Jesus, said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, let me tell you because what's going on here. <clears throat> there are two sons, one younger, one older. Which one asked for the inheritance? The younger. Now, to you and I, and he's asking dad for his money that he would inherit. To you and I in 2022, okay, we'd be like, oh, okay. But the original hearers of Jesus, as they're hearing Jesus tell this story, they would be shocked and appalled at what is just going on right there. 
Because first of all, it's the younger son asking for the money. No, you don't do that. Secondly, you would never give your child the full inheritance back in those days until dad was, until dad's dead. And so when the younger son asks his dad for the full inheritance, what is he really proclaiming to his father? He's saying, you are, you're dead to me. You're dead to me, dad. So now when you understand it from the cultural background, you realize this is a scandalous story. It's, it's bad. So here's my first question I want you to think about in the application today. And that is this. It, well, it doesn't have to do with the self. Yeah, I guess it has to do with self-control. But um, who is the victimized person in the story at this point? Louder. The father is. The father's being mistreated. The father's being victimized. The father is. And I would just say this to sons and daughters. You still have a dad? Never mistreat your dad. Don't do it. Don't victimize your father. You say, well, you don't know what it was like growing up. Okay, you're right. I only know what I was like growing up. But I've learned that I've had to forgive, let go, and I've had to honor them at least with forgiveness. Amen? Amen. So you don't victimize. Because all you're doing is you're creating a culture within yourself, a cycle that you're going to pass on to your kids. Do you really want to pass that on? I would say, no, you don't. So you want to do things right. You don't want poison in your own soul. Now, <clears throat> the father's being victimized. Now, as the son gets the money, tell him I said hi, whoever phone that is. Tell him happy Father's Day, by the way, if they're a dad. As the, as the son gets the money, it says, he, it says that he went to a distant country. He doesn't move and get an apartment like uh, three blocks down the road. He goes to a different country. It just means simply that he put a lot of distance between himself and his father. He's getting far away, as far away as he can. <clears throat> now, here's my first thought, question of this. Now, as you read those three verses, let me, no, let me back up. It's better this way. If this happened to you, if your child said that to you, give me the money, you're basically dead to me, and goes far away, how would you react? What would you do? Now, I want you to think about this. Some of us would just blow up, right? Some of us would say certain colorful metaphors. <laughs> Some of us would take it out on our spouse, take the dads, take it out on our spouse, take it out on people at work because we're just angry about the whole thing. Does the dad in the story do that? What does the dad do? He gives, and he stays what? He stays calm. He stays completely under control in the situation. Let me tell you, I think that's one of the most important things that young people, as they're growing up in families, can learn from a father. Because, look, ladies, no offense, but you, oh, I want my husband to be more relational and more feely. Shut up, okay? <laughs> it's Father's Day. I can say what I want, all right? No, you don't. You don't want him to be more feely and relational. You want him to be a man, Amen. Now, 99% of us guys, we're not feely and emotional. We have control over our emotions, the way we're geared. It's the way God made us. Say amen to that. That's okay to say amen, that there's differences between men and women, unlike what society says. Now, a father is the ability to stay under control, doesn't react, stays calm. Don't you think I, the young... We look around our society today, and we're watching a generation of people now that do not know how to deal with pain, uh, uh, rejection. They don't know how to deal with somebody disagreeing with them. They just blow up and react. 
That's all they're doing right now. And you have to wonder if the lack of fathers in a home and that role model there doesn't contribute or hasn't contributed to what's going on in our society. Amen? So this whole idea of self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, is something that a father in a home can teach to a child. Because have you ever noticed, dads, when everything's in chaos or things break down at the house, you just have to get to work, you stay calm, and you get it done, and you fix whatever it is. Have you ever noticed that? They have to see those things. They have to know that this is normal operating life, that you don't have to fall apart in chaos. You don't have to fall apart in abandonment. You have, nobody has to, no, no one has to agree with you on everything. Self-control. Now, <clears throat> Um, have you ever heard the word meekness? How many have heard the word meekness? Please say you've heard the word. Please, okay. Okay. You know what the word meek means in the Bible? The literal meaning of that word in the classical Greek setting? It's the idea of power under control. It's the idea of a strong wind that can just blow over trees and topple everything, but you harness the wind. It still has power, but it's power under control. That's one of the meanings of that word. That's what a father is. He teaches you how to have power under control. You're watching too many young people in society now out there. They have power. Is it under control? No, it's not. I think that's because of fatherless homes. Now, you know what I like in the story too? Do you ever see the father going, Oh, no, son, please don't leave me. Don't go. I'll just do whatever. Do you see the father doing that? No. What does the father do? You want to go? Guess what? You want to go? Guess what? go you got to learn a hard lesson go you know maybe mom maybe not you moms you look pretty tough but maybe mom in the stories going oh no don't let him go dad goes let him go let him go he's got to learn a lesson huh it's better he learns a lesson at this age than he learns it later on blowing his life up in a marriage with kids right 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 so the dad let him go he's got to learn a hard lesson dad stayed calm let him go let him go now point two so the second thing fathers can teach us is this. There's a biggie, how to distinguish between a healthy and unhealthy relationship. Jim, how do you get that? Watch, okay? Watch this. Look at verses 14, 15, 16, 17. It says, uh, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. <laughs> Whoa, shocking, huh? And he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, isn't it great when your kids come to their senses? <laughs> he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? but I'm dying here with hunger. Okay, let's break this story down because it's a fun story. Now, the boy leaves, right? And he's got a lot of money when he leaves, correct? Do you think he's the popular guy at the club? You better believe you think he's got some cool threads. Oh, back in the 70s, probably has the heel with the goldfish in it. Remember those days? Some of you are going, what are you talking about? Go back to the 70s, all right? He's got his polyester, you know, he's got the whole shot, you know? But anyway, he's there at the club and he's probably buying all the drinks, right? All the friends, he's got all these fake friends, doesn't he? Man, all the girls like him, it's going so, so good. And he's spending money, spending money. And then what happens to the money eventually? It runs out. And then after the money runs out, then what happens in the economy? 
It's a famine. It's a downturn in the economy, is it not? I just got to say something about that. That has nothing to do with the fathers, okay? Okay, I am so fed up with this whole thing, oh, rich people need to pay their fair share. It's rich people. Just shut up. Just stop it. Every one of us wants to be rich, right? But rich people know something. And by the way, don't define rich as Jeff Bezos. That's the, the, that's, none of us are going to hit that, okay? You are not rich in your 20s and 30s, but by the time you get to your 50s, 60s, you should be kind of rich, right? Yeah, almost anybody in that age should because you played your cards right with your money. But let me tell you what rich people understand. They don't sit there and take their money during the good times. He had a lot of money. They don't sit there and blow it on. I'm going to buy a new car every other year. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to get in debt there. They don't do that. People don't do that. Because all of a sudden, we know as older people, what happens to the economy? Goes up and down, doesn't it? Goes up and it's always going to go up and down. And you know that. What richer people know is that they watch their money, stay healthy with their money, save it. Because when it goes down and prices drop, what do rich people do? They buy. That's right. They buy. And you and I both know that's what we're supposed to do, huh? Because you know it's going to come back up. Young people, did you hear what I just said? I saved you like about $400,000 in your life right there. And I made you another million dollars. So come and give me a buck. No, I'm joking. But because that's the way it works. But they keep saying, oh, they got to pay their fair share. No, you need to learn how to manage your money. Because you can get ahead in this great country of America. Amen? I'm done. Let's go. No, I'm just joking. Now, okay, healthy, unhealthy relationships. So there's no more money. The economy takes a downturn. The kid is starving. Now, he attaches himself to, he gets a job. Isn't that great? Isn't hunger a great motivator for work? Isn't it? We see, how many of you drive around and see all the uh, hiring, hiring, hiring? Even McDonald's going to pay me 18 bucks an hour. I'm thinking, I'm tempted to get a Saturday job. But but yeah, but but it's like, but no, we'll just keep giving money to people. That way they don't want to work. No, hunger is a great motivator to get a job. I'm glad two people said amen to that one right there. Because out there in the world, they probably look at me like I'm from another planet if I said that. Now, he's sitting there and he's starving. And as he's starving, and he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. By the way, is this a Jewish boy? There's another story right there, huh? Jewish boys with pigs? No, 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 that's unclean right there, right? You don't do that. But as he's starving, he starts to do some comparison, does he not? Does he not? And in this case, comparison is a good thing. Because it's comparison will lead to clarity of mind, does it not? Huh. He's starting to think right. He's starting to think things like this. I'm starving. I was never starving back home. If you read those verses we just read, he said, no one's giving me anything. The last thing my dad did was give me money. Huh. Wow. No one here is helpful and loving. Once my money ran out, they could care less about me. My dad always loved me whether I had or whether I didn't have. And the light goes on in that boy, does it not? So what does he begin to think? I'll put it in my terms. 
he thinks, my dad's a good guy. My dad's a good guy. I appreciate everything that my dad has done for me. Isn't it great when you finally grow up and you appreciate what's been done for you? Until you do that, you're still a child. You're still a child expecting everybody to do for you. When you finally grow up, you start to appreciate. And when you get to those places there, you're starting to become the person you're supposed to be in God. But here's the point I want to make here. <clears throat> boss, his boss, boss, bad relationship, doesn't give me anything, has me feeding pigs. Dad, good relationship, giver, loves me. Bad, good, bad relationship, unhealthy relationship, good relationship, healthy relationship. What did he learn from his father? How to distinguish between a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship? Say, yeah? He, now, this is, this is big, guys, because every young person, you're going to move into adulthood, and you need to know how to pick a right person for a lifetime partner. Amen? And when I say lifetime partner, I mean man with woman, woman with man. So don't, don't think I'm, no, I'm biblical. Okay. Uh, let me ask the ladies. Um, ladies, you, you know this, because I, I don't know how. How many ladies, raise your hand, know how to pick a good watermelon? Oh, I heard some pain over here. Who said, oh, no? Who said, oh, no? Where's that at? You said, Lisa, oh, no? You knock, but nobody's home? She knocks, but she don't hear anything. It's supposed to talk back? Hello? <laughs> okay, okay. Rosie, you know how to pick a good watermelon? What, what do you look for? I look for the color of the watermelon, the, the, the yellowness. The yellowness. A lot of yellow, less yellow? Do you knock? No. You don't? There's no knocking. Okay. Okay, does somebody else have another strategy on watermelon? Uh, Francis? The belly button needs to be brown. The belly button needs to be brown. Dave's or the watermelon? No, I'm joking. Bad. Bad Jim. Bad Jim. Amelia, I'll give you one shot. You raise your hand, right? Or was it Aurora? Who raised your hand? You, you what? You thump it. You thump it. Oh, the watermelon. Okay. <laughs> to, to listen to how it sounds. <laughs> I knew this would be a fun segment, by the way. Oh, oh, we have more. Okay, wait. I'm going to go behind you, sis. But way back there. What, with, with, with that hand that hit your husband and broke and stuff like that. Bee stings? Bee sting? How many knew that? Really? I, did, I have never heard that. And I'm, I like watermelon. Okay, so you all know how to pick a good watermelon, right? Because there are certain techniques, certain things you look for. Bee stings, now we know. You, the belly button's got to be brown. So, but if you think about, we know how to pick a good watermelon, but how many young people growing up don't know how to pick a good partner? They don't know what to look for. But we know how to pick a good watermelon. 
But how many people ruin their life, pick a partner, oh, no, you as a parent go, no, 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 not, not her, not him, please. And how many people ruin their life for so many years because they don't know how to pick the right person? See, I think a father figure in the family, one of his big roles, why we need you dads, is like that boy, he sat there, contemplated, my dad versus the boss, good, bad, Boss bad, unhealthy, dad good, healthy. I, that's what a healthy relationship looks like. That was my dad. That's what dads can teach. And by the way, dads, not just for the son, but for the daughters. That's how you teach them. They, they watch you. They observe. They, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Any amens of that? That's why we need you in those homes, dad. Number three, this is a very quick point. Number three is quick. Responsibility. Sorry, I don't have any more watermelon stories in point three. But anyway, look at verse 18 and 19. It's a, he, here's what he says now, because he's got a moment of clarity. He's lucid now. He says, uh, verse 18, I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Huh. Now, before I give you the quick point here, and it's really quick, it takes seconds, let me give you a sidebar on this one. Look at verse 18. He's sitting there and he says, hmm, I will get up. It kind of gives you, when he says get up, it kind of gives the idea that the boy has been lying there all night long thinking about this in bed. And it's early morning now and he, he says, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up. And he says, I'm going to go to, what does he say? Louder? My father. I want you to think about this. How many people in America have never even said, that's my father? Or I have a father. Or you're my father. Or hey, dad. Can you imagine? Some of you sat in classrooms and everybody would talk about their dad and you couldn't say anything. That was tough. That's painful. But how many right now are even saying it? They don't, they can't say, they don't say my father to anybody. That's tragedy. That's a tragedy. That's why dads are my heroes. Because you're there. You're with them. Now, let me get to this quick brief point. The boy says, I'm going to get up and go home. By getting up and going home to dad, what is he proclaiming? I can count on my dad. I can count on my dad. I watched my father be a responsible man. I watched him treat me. I watched him treat his employees because he has, dad has hired servants. I watched him treat his employees. Everybody's been treated so nice and he's been there for them. He's been there through the, with them through the good and the bad. My dad is a responsible man. That's a place I can go to and belong. And by the way, as New Beginnings, one of our mottos is, this is a place to belong. And we want you to belong. And you as a Christian here, you need to make people feel like they belong. And so do I. We need to interact with people. Church is not just, I'm going to get there, get a message, worship, and I'm going to head. No, interact with somebody. Let somebody feel like they belong here. Because what you see out there in the streets of people going crazy than that, at times, they're looking for something to belong to. This needs to be a place to belong. But he is saying, I can go back there. My dad's a responsible guy. 
I belong there. He, he, he's, he, I can count on my dad. Isn't it great to be a dad and knowing your kids can count on you? Right? My, my son Nathan told me this, and, and I, I got real emotional inside. I didn't want to show it because, you know, I'm a guy. <laughs> I, don't, I, try, I don't care anymore, but I used to care like that. And he took his daughter, um, Lincoln, to Disneyland. And I think Lincoln was maybe a year. And they went on, um, you know, how many rides can you go on with a year old? You know? It's a small world, and she had the video, and she's going nuts. It's a small, small world. If granddaddy was there, I'd have been going nuts. And then they'd take him on the horses, the carousel. And, and Nathan told me this. He goes, he goes I, I just got emotional thinking that I got to provide this for my daughter. Isn't that the greatest feeling? That I, I'm responsible enough to supply, to give to my kid, to this other person. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world. That's why if you really want to understand the male figure, how, how many of you guys, you could live with like three t-shirts and two pair of denims, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. If I wasn't a pastor, I wouldn't have all these button shirts. I, I got to wear them for you. All, all my $12.99 Marshall shirts, you know, I spent a lot of money on them. And... Uh, I didn't pay for these. My son Nathan bought me these, by the way. So, um, But let's, guys, we can go without so our kids can have, right? Ha, ha, guys. Ha. And nobody knows how deep that burns in us except for us. That's why dads are great. Let me give you the fourth thing. And that's grace. Dads teach us, they could teach the kids grace. Now watch this. It's such a great story. And I'm so tempted to go sideways all over the place, but I can't. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Whoa. Dad sees the boy coming home. Do you think dad maybe was looking every day for that boy to come home? I think so. And he sees it. How does he know it's his boy way out there in the day? Because you know the way your kid walks, huh? You know the gait. You know the mannerism. You know that's my kid. I know it. So the dad sees. The dad feels. The dad runs. The dad hugs. And the dad kisses his boy. Wow. <clears throat> Question again. Who is the victimized person in the story? Who is it? The dad. Ah, oh, the dad is the victimized person in the story. But yet the victimized person in the story, what does he do? He sees, he feels, he runs, he hugs, and he kisses. He goes and embraces that kid. Even though that kid you victimized, you said, Dad, you're, you're dead to me. Let me give you a wider background because what's happening here is the grace of God and why kids need to learn the grace of God from a dad. But let me give you the background, because the background, it'll widen out your scope of understanding the next time you read this story. He didn't go off to another country where it's like far away. It's just distance. And, and, and news travels fast. 
in these little places. They find this kid over Oh, we know him. So the townspeople, they know that, you know, he's blown his money. They don't know if he's coming back or not. They know what's happened. You know he's out there doing his loose living and stuff. So when he comes home, there's this thing in Jewish culture at the time called kezaze. Say kezaze. It means cutting off. It's a rejection ceremony. When you, as a Jewish young man, go out and you live with Gentiles in that culture at that time, and then you blow all your inheritance, all your money, understand that when you, if you decide to come home, the townspeople are going to meet you at the gate or on the outskirts of town, and they're going to kazaze you. They're going to cut you off. They're going to reject you. And they all come out there, they bring their pots, and they meet you there, stop you before you come in, and they throw the pots on the ground, breaking the pots, symbolizing broken fellowship. You don't belong here anymore. You get out. You leave. Unwanted. Just split. The son walking home in the story, he knows that's coming. And he's taking this risk. I'm going to get Kazaze. That's what's going to happen. But then, we know that the dad runs. Now you understand why the dad ran, huh? And running in that culture for a man, a male, you don't do that. He breaks that cultural standard. But he runs there to get there before the townspeople do. If you're the disciples listening to the story, you're like, you're like, this is a great story, what the dad did. It's amazing. You and I going, oh, he ran, okay. No, once you understand what's really happening, it's like, whoa, this dad is really, he's doing something right. He's bringing grace to his kid. Now watch, uh, you know, dad gets there first before they cut him off. Watch grace in action, because grace is unearned, unmerited favor. Now watch grace in action. Dads. Verse 21, 22. And the son said to him, okay, dad's kissed him and everything. He goes, you know, like Pepe Le Pew, okay, dad, you know, I mean, you know. You guys never watched that growing up? I, wow. I thought that'd get a laugh, but it didn't. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Sounds like a grown-up now. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. We also know they slay the fattened calf. Okay, here's what you got to remember now. As the young man was walking home, do you remember what he was mumbling to himself? He was practicing his repentance speech to his father. His speech went something like this. He says, Father, he's walking home. Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Okay, let me try that again. Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Okay. But when he gets to the dad, and the dad runs out to him. Dad hugs him, kisses him. And dad goes, Dad, he goes, Dad, 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 go, go. I got to tell you, I got to say it. Dad, I got to tell you something. Okay, dad, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Now, the next line he's going to say is, Make me as one of your hired hands. Question. Does he ever say that line in the story to the dad? 
No. It says, but the Father. He says, quickly. It's almost like the son was about to say it, and the dad put his hand over the son's mouth. Shh, shut up. Everybody, quickly. Go get the robe, put it on him. Get the ring, put it on him. Get the sandals, put them on him. Go slay the fattened calf, who, by the way, is the only person sad to see the prodigal son come home. <laughs> oh, no, he's home. I die today. Just put on. Now, the robe, it, it's from neck all the way down to the feet. It's called the best robe, the highest robe. It belongs to dad. It takes on dad's robe. That's a great picture of you and I coming home, coming to God, because the kid's stinky and, and, and dirty, Right? Right? The robe covers it all up. Nobody's going to see my son that way. You can wear my robe. That's the robe of righteousness. When we come to Jesus Christ, we're declared the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? All of our sins are washed away. It's gone, man. It's gone. Then, and then he says, put a ring on his finger. What's well, a signet ring? It's got the stamp there. Where they, it's authority. My son gets to go back in the business like right now. He's instantly got his identity back and his authority back as a son. As my son. Oh, then you get put some shoes on him because the kid don't have any shoes. Because when you're a hired servant in those days, they would take your shoes away many times so you couldn't escape. He got away and dad said he needs shoes. But the shoes that are given, think about it, to be able to walk over any terrain to walk through life. And that's what Jesus gives us. He gives us the shoes and the power of the Spirit to walk through any terrain over whatever it is. Amen to that one? And then they slay the fattened calf. That's a beautiful picture of celebration. When prodigals come home, you celebrate. You don't let them have it, unlike the brother wants to do, but you celebrate. And so, and it's a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ being sacrificed for our sins. Now, here's the big question. As you read the story, did the boy put the robe, the ring, and the shoes, and say, did he do that for himself? Did he put it on himself? No. It was put on him, right? He had nothing. They just put on, put it on him, put it on him. There was no effort on his part to put any of that stuff on. The, the dad said, "Put it on, put it on my boy." That's called grace. That's called grace. Did the boy deserve it? Did he deserve it? No, no, he didn't. It's grace. Listen, here, here's the great thing about a dad. So, um, yesterday, Friday. Um, so I, I, I saw that some bees congregating on one of my sprinkler valves. Have you ever had that happen? I think they wanted water. And I didn't have one of those wasp sprays that shoots like from here to Narco 6th Street. <laughs> and I go, man, I don't have any of that. I got to get some of that stuff. So Olivia and I go down to, you know, the local big department store. And, and Olivia goes, hey, you, you go ride in that motorized cart because you're in my knee. I'm going. <laughs> I go, okay, I'll try it. And I did. It was, I thought, this is pretty fun. <laughs> Until people were passing me, walking slow. So we're looking for the stuff, can't find it. I said, the way young man comes to help us. He says, what are you looking for? Oh, we're looking for that bee spray. That went, oh, and I'm look, I go, I think it's over there. I can see the right thing over there. Go over there. Sure enough, it's there, and he's helping Olivia. And I said, don't get the one. We don't need a lot. Just get the smaller one, this and that. And he said, what, what do you need it for? Well, obviously. I said, well, I, I use this to spray at my kids to keep them away from me. <laughs> and he looks, he goes, 
<laughs> you know, he has a se- seven-second delay or whatever, you know. And, and he's just cracking up, and I'm cracking up. And this and that. I go, but dads, don't we sometimes feel like spraying wasp spray at our kids? <laughs> Come on, raise your hand, Dad. Be honest. Keep him away. I'll keep that guy. Get away from him. But don't you still turn around and do good deeds to them? You ever notice that about yourself? That's called grace. I'd like to spray you with wasp spray. But I'm going to buy you Del Taco instead. <laughs> but that's what dads do. Dads, grace. Now, why is it important for our kids from a father to learn grace from dad? Especially from dad. I'm not nullifying mom. Like I said, you had your day last month. Because your child is going to grow up and they're going to have to relate. Hopefully, they've placed their life in the hands of Jesus Christ, the only Savior, proven historically that he did live, he was crucified, and it's historically proven he did rise from the dead, and it's written about not, not just by biblical people, but by non-biblical historians, Josephus, Tacitus, Suetonius, they all write about it. And one day they're going to put their faith, hopefully, in Jesus Christ. And guess what? They're going to have a, God, a Father God in heaven. And they're going to have to really understand and relate to the grace of God. Amen? Because that's how we're saved, by, through our faith and God's grace. That I can't earn it. I can't do enough good deeds that God says, now I love you. No, he always loved you. And even when you blow it, God's still going to do good stuff for you. Isn't that crazy? That's a good God. But they learn that from us. That's where they should learn it. That man, my dad, even though I, I did some things to really, really bug that guy, but he still fed me. He still clothed me. He still put shelter over my head. He paid for my soccer shoes. He paid for my yearbook. He, he did all these things. And the kid begins to realize, that's just grace. I don't deserve it. Except that my dad loves me. And he's proven it this way. Oh, how much better it is with my, my dad. See, that's why we need dads. That's why we need you, dads. Because you teach us self-control. Stay calm. Stay calm. You teach us healthy relationships versus unhealthy. You teach us responsibility. And you teach us grace. And we are learning by observing our fathers. That's why we need you in that house with those kids to be a great example. To those kids. Now, I can't stand up with you because of my knee, but I want all the dads and granddads and stepdads, and you stepped in to be a dad, just stand up. Just stand up right where you're at, will you, please? going to pray for you, God's blessing, and then I'm going to let you go. You know the routine. If you need prayer, to my left or right, they'll be there to pray. You know if you have a physical offering, the box is out there. And, um, oh, and by the way, before I forget, too, um, some of you knew him, Kenny Bustamante. He was a servant for years. He passed away. His funeral's here on Thursday. He was a great servant here for 20-some years. So just letting some of you longtime New Beginnings people know. Um, But let me pray for you, dads. 
here or watching at home. We need you. You are so vital. Contrary to the devaluing of fathers like the culture does, no, we need you. You are so valuable. You make up what was termed the nuclear family. We need the way you are. We need your provision. We need your calming comfort. We need you the way you relate in your manly way. We need you. And I pray God's blessing upon you. You're super valuable. You are the heroes that are unsung. You'll, nobody's ever going to put your name repeatedly or story about you or me on social media. It's not going to happen. But yet, in God's eyes, we're the heroes. We're the heroes. And so God, I ask your blessings on you. And I thank you for them. Bless them on this Father's Day. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.